Kia ora, and welcome to my daily podcast. I'm Bernard Hickey. This goes out every day to paying subscribers via my Substack, which is an email newsletter. And a lot of the detail that I talk about in the podcast is available in that email newsletter with links back to source documents and quotes. Today, I wanted to have a closer look at what's happening in our banking sector and why it's important um, for our wider economy and, and in particular our political economy based around our uh, love for residential investment and in particular investment in residential land. This is all about housing unaffordability and one of the outcomes of the way we've structured our economy and our political economy is that we have a very big and very profitable banking sector. And when I talk about banking sector, I'm really talking about the big four Australian banks and their increasing reliance and focus on residential mortgage lending. The reason this is uh, topical and interesting, I think, is that yesterday the Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, effectively confirmed that the Labour Party will propose a banking study or a market study into banking by the Commerce Commission if it's re-elected on October the 14th. Now, you might recall that the Commerce Commission has already done three market studies where it goes into a particular sector and looks to see whether it's competitive and whether the major players in that sector are effectively making super profits because they're not competitive enough. And the Commerce Commission, in all of those cases, has made various recommendations to try to uh, uh, make the sector more competitive and reduce its profitability to something it considers more normal. And in many ways, that means those companies um, making slightly lower profits and passing some of the benefits of those lower profits on to consumers and or workers, you'd have to think. None of which have been approved with the three market study sectors so far, although to be fair, it's all early days. Those three studies were into retail fuel, and there's been some changes in the wholesale market regulation, into supermarkets, and we've seen some creation of new regulation and voluntary standards and also um, some changes by the supermarkets, particularly around uh, covenants for land. And then finally, building materials and um, still very early days there on uh, whether or how um, that sector might change from these three market studies. Before the 2020 election, the then Commerce Minister David Clark proposed that there be a market study into the building materials sector at the election. And very soon after the election, the government went ahead and ordered a market study from the Commerce Commission, and that was completed at the end of last year. So now the government is looking around at doing um, some more market studies, and typically there's about one of these that can be done each year. And uh, the question is, what's next? Now, for quite some time, the proposals from lots of people have been, hey, have a look at the banks. Uh, they are big, they are very profitable, and there are real questions about whether their profitability is out of line 
with their size and with what they do in the economy and out of line with the potential risks for shareholders when they invest in banks. So there have been various calls for market studies in the banking sector and uh, just in the last couple of months the Reserve Bank has um, supported those calls, although not in a very aggressive way. We've seen um, Paul uh, Paul Conway, the chief economist at the Reserve Bank, saying uh, he would support a market study if there was going to be one. And we saw the Reserve Bank put out a very detailed analysis of the profitability of New Zealand's banks last week in its financial stability report. Well, yesterday, the Prime Minister... Chris Hipkins was asked the question if he was concerned about high bank profits. You've got to remember that Jacinda Ardern was quite strong in saying she was concerned about high bank profits last year and uh, asked questions about whether the banks deserved their social license to operate, so-called. Well, Chris Hipkins said that he was also concerned about the uh, uh, the level of bank profits and said that he and others in the government had said the same thing. He's referring there to comments from Duncan Webb, the Commerce Minister, who um, last week said uh, he was looking at whether there should be a market study in the banks. Chris Hipkins was then asked, would he announce a market study for the banks before the election? And he said he wouldn't rule it out. Now, that may seem like not much of a statement and not definitive about anything, but you've got to remember that Chris Hipkins regularly says he's not going to play the rule-in or rule-out game with journalists. Um, So for him to start playing the rule-in, rule-out game by not ruling out a market study announcement uh, uh, suggests to me at least, and certainly is consistent with what we've heard from others in the government in the last Uh, a few months. And uh, so I'd expect now that the government will include in its manifesto for the election on October the 14th that there be a market study for the banks. Wouldn't surprise me, by the way, if there's also a market study for uh, insurers. And um, the question then is, so what would a market study look at? And uh, are these high profits justified? So I've taken a bit of a deep dive in today's email newsletter into what types of areas could be looked at, where there might be some signs that profitability is too high, and just challenging this uh, uh, idea that bank profits are too high. So the Reserve Bank has quite a bit of detail in its analysis of bank profitability, which I've included in the email newsletter and I talked about in a podcast last week. But we've also had some fresh results from the banks themselves, which are quite detailed, and I've gone into those in more detail in today's email newsletter. Suffice to say that the banks combined uh, over a period of six months have produced profits of well over $3 billion. And uh, when you look at how much the banks are making relative to the size of the economy, uh, it's it's over 1.6% of GDP. Now, what's interesting is that that hasn't actually risen much in the last year or so, even though bank profits are up by 9.9%. Surely that's much higher than nominal GDP growth. Well, as it turns out, 
when you've got uh, 7% inflation and 2 or 3% real GDP growth, that's about right. You've got nominal GDP growth of about 9.9%. So in effect, uh, uh, you've seen only a small increase in the scale of bank profitability relative to the size of the economy. And that's one of the points I want to make here in today's uh, podcast and email newsletter, that uh, when we accuse the banks of making too much profit, what we're perhaps forgetting is that um, any economy, which effectively has become a housing market with bits tacked on due to the fact we don't have a capital gains tax on rises in the value of residential land, unlike pretty much any other country in the world. We don't have land taxes, as we see in many other countries, including various states in Australia. We don't have inheritance taxes, which mean that it makes an awful lot of sense for an investor, simply when you look at the risk return uh, uh, calculation, to essentially leverage up as much as possible and buy as much residential land as you can because relative to other uh, returns, they are much higher and much less volatile than other investments. So our economy is set up with a bias towards people borrowing from a bank and buying a piece of land and then sitting on the tax-free gains and eventually liquidating those gains in the form of an asset sale. And uh, we are more so down this track than any other country in the world. And that partly explains why our housing is the most expensive in the world and our rents relative to income are among the most expensive in the world and why rent stress is the highest in the world. It's because we don't tax capital gains on residential land. We, we know this. <laughs> We've had over a decade of debate about this. But what we should acknowledge is that by not changing it, we are effectively allowing our economy to become increasingly focused and organised around that idea of leveraging up savings into residential land values and uh, pocketing the gains over time by selling residential land. And um, that's evident in what we see from the banks in terms of their profitability, their competitive activity, and also the volatility of their profits. So because we haven't had a housing market crash in in the same way as you see in other countries in the world, that has meant that our banks haven't made losses on the loans that they've made to uh, homeowners. And part of the reason for that is the difference in our our banking laws, which mean that when you take out a mortgage from a bank in New Zealand, effectively the bank has the first call on any income that you make because of that um, mortgage security. Unlike in some states in the United States where you can literally post the keys back to the bank and the bank becomes the owner of the house, even if the house is underwater, so to speak, it's worth less than the loan. In New Zealand, you could do that, and the bank would um, ring you up nicely and say, someone sent me the keys to your house, I'm going to send them back. And by the way, um, you better make sure you pay the interest on the mortgage 
because uh, I don't really care whether you're in the house or not. Um, the relationship is between me and you, and we have the security on the home. Now, um, there are still mortgagee sales, but it's very, very low compared to other countries and certainly compared to our past because the, the scale of the equity gains and also the growth in incomes and the very low unemployment mean that even though someone might be struggling, they can generally afford and often do pay the mortgage first and also um, those people who have been owning homes for decades are in a very, very, very wealthy and comfortable position to be able to keep paying any mortgages they've got. So um, what we've ended up with is a housing market with bits tacked on. And it means that our banks um, are producing on an annualized basis uh, profits of nearly $7 billion dollars. And when you look at it compared to other types of spending in the economy, uh, it's around about a quarter of the spending that we do on health, or at least public spending on health, to give you a, an idea of the scale. And the combined profits of those big four banks are about the same as all of the profits from all 122 com companies in the uh, stock market, the, the NZX, and that's a reflection of uh, the fact that most New Zealanders put most of their money into residential land rather than other types of investments. And the banks can see that uh, and they have catered for that. And you can see that in the um, significant decline in the share of their lending that goes to businesses over the last uh, three decades. And we've seen it again just with results that came out from Westpac yesterday showing that uh, it grew its mortgage lending by $1.4 billion in the first six months of the f its financial year, but its business lending was flat. And that's a, uh, a thing we've seen right around the big four banks over the last 30 years. Effectively, they've moved from being banks designed to enable businesses to grow, lending to businesses, to being mortgage banks, so lending mostly to households to buy each other's homes and to fund the renovation of homes and then the occasional new home. And that's the result, the end result of an economy we have built. So there may well be a market study. It may well find that there isn't much competition in several areas and that it may find this is not a great thing, particularly when it comes to... Um, the reduction in services, particularly to rural areas, and I talk about that a bit more in the email newsletter. But in effect, the reason our banks are so profitable and so big is because we have refocused and built our economy as a real estate market with bits tacked on. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was my podcast for Tuesday the 9th of May via the Kaka, which is my email, newsletter and podcast for paying subscribers. And if you're hearing this and you're not a paying subscriber, that's because the paying subscribers have asked me to open it up for everyone to listen to because it's in the public interest and I thank them in particular. Ka kite anō.